I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Editor Dave Schofield coming at you on Thursday morning. This is another important one. It's not the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight, but this is the day when regular season NFL football returns. It's returning today. That's great. That's something to celebrate, but this is still game week. It's a game week, real game regular season, things that matter. I mean, I love the preseason in order to watch the Steelers play, but now these games matter. Now I care about if they win, not just, oh, are these players playing well? Were they working well as a unit? Things of that nature. Now, when a team lines up for a kick to win the game against the Steelers, I really care if the kick goes through or not. I'm like the preseason. But it's game week. My goodness, it seems like it was forever to get here. And next thing you know, we're going to be sad that it's that the whole season's over, but why am I wishing away that? No, I'm not going to do that. Got to listen to Jeff Hartman and his Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on our audio-only network of podcasts at Behind the Steel Curtain. But he's like, enjoy it. Enjoy the moments as they come. Enjoy them as they come. And I, I definitely am and will. Man, it's just exciting to be previewing an actual game. We're going to look at a couple different things here with this podcast. We're going to look at... 
what went on with the with a TJ Watt restructure. We're going to look at the salary cap a little bit. I've got a salary cap update article coming out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Fairly shortly after this podcast will be released, it's going to be out Thursday morning sometime around, oh, I think it might be scheduled for 8.15 a.m. Pittsburgh time. Um, things could always get bumped, you know, with news or, or things of that nature. But we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to also look at, you know, kind of some historic things with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals who have never faced each other in week one. That's just something interesting to know. Um, But we're going to look at Steelers trends. We're going to look at AFC North trends. We're going to look at some Bengals stuff. We're going to look at, you know, week one historically. The way this normally works uh, once we get a few weeks into the season here uh, with this Stat Geek podcast, when I go looking at the next week, I like to look at the matchups and say, hey, where do the Steelers rank in this versus where does their opponent rank in that? You know, offensive, defensive, you know, total yards, rushing, passing. If you've listened to the show, you know what you're going to get from me. That's how I like to break down the upcoming matchups. You know what? We don't have that. We do, I don't have that data. I could look back at last year, but these are two teams that are different. I mean, my goodness, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a different quarterback, two different offensive starting linemen. They are down a couple of receivers that they lost, but they added a, a one with a high draft pick. Um, and I'm not even saying it was one of their top receivers that they lost. The defense is going to look different. It just It's a different team for the Steelers and a different team for the Bengals. You can't really look at the preseason because, my goodness, you're not trying to go out there and set certain things or standards and so many players are playing. So we don't have that. We And we won't have it the first couple weeks of the season because, I mean, we'll look at what happened with the matchups as we go. But it's not going to be exactly like, oh, league rank and everything, because you got to get a couple games under your belt before you can really do that. So normally it'll be the first part of the show looking at the at the week that was, looking at some of the numbers and some some good things for the Steelers, some things they need to improve. There was no game this past week. That's great. Then, then we look forward to the next matchup. So we got a little bit different to do. So what we're going to do with looking back, I'm not going to go over the roster. I'm not going to go over the clerical error or anything like that or the depth chart. We've talked about those things in a lot of podcasts. I am going to break down the numbers because this is the Stat Geek podcast. We're going to break down the numbers here of uh, the TJ Watt restructure. And then we're going to look at, you know, just kind of historically with stuff moving forward in the second half. So, Buckle up. I hope you're ready for it. I am because this is what happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Wednesday morning. It was reported by, I'm pretty sure it was, um, was it Ian Rappaport? One, one of those NFL Network guys that the Pittsburgh Steelers created $6.75 million in salary cap space in a restructure of TJ Watt. Now, of course, Steelers fans, they start salivating. Oh, they're doing this to make a move. They're doing this to make a move. No, they aren't. The Steelers had nowhere close to the amount of money they like to take into the season. Now, does it mean that the Steelers could still make a move? Sure, but not a big one. Not a $6.75 million move. It would be, you know, just a maybe maybe a couple million dollars. But we'll, we'll get to that when we break these numbers down in a minute. So here was the deal when it came to T.J. Watt. And this is kind of important to remember. All right, T.J. Watt with his contract, he had – the ability for the Steelers to restructure 
over $17 million. I've been saying this throughout the offseason that the Steelers, they got $17 million sitting in their pocket whenever they chose to do it. That's all they had to do was do the restructure. It was like 17.1, something like that. Over 17 million. That's all that mattered. That all they would be doing would be taking, and, and I'll figure this out right now. They could have taken all of TJ Watts base salary minus the league minimum uh, for his years of service and converted that into a signing bonus. So TJ Watts base salary before any of this was $24 million this year. So $24 million. So if you take off the $1.032 million that he would be, I'm pretty sure that's what he is with his number of years of service, um, that would be his base salary. The Steelers could have restructured almost $23 million, you know, where they pushed that to a signing bonus. And there was no... There was no problem with them doing that with the money because that $24 million, fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed for it. So the fact that they wanted to go ahead and pay it to him up front, it's not going to matter one bit to TJ Watt. And sometimes it's like, oh, yay, exciting. I'm going to get the money no matter what happens. He's getting this money no matter what happens. This is TJ Watt saying, you know, pay me now, pay me later. I'll do whatever I can for you guys to be able to move things around. So if you would have taken that $22.968 million that they could have put into a, in, into a signing bonus, and you divide that up by the four years that TJ Watt had left on his contract, you know, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, that's what he's got left. So you divide that. And basically what you're doing is you're adding, is that you're taking, um, it, it's $5.742 million spread out then onto, onto each year. All right. So what you ultimately would have saved was 17, oh, I said one, would have been $17.2 million, $17.226 million if that base salary of the 1.032 is correct, which I'm pretty sure it is. I don't have it here in front of me. So that's how much they could have saved. And they're like, well, why didn't they do that? Do you know why? Do you really want to add that much to, to TJ Watt's? Um, salary cap hit each year? No, you don't want to add another $5.7 million to his salary cap hit each year. No way. What the Steelers did, they were smart. They did what I said to do. And that was, you wait until the week leading up to the first game, see what you're going to need for the season, and restructure that amount with TJ Watt. You know what? Throw in a little bit more just to be safe because you can't restructure them again this year. So you go ahead and do that now, figure out what you're going to need and don't push more into the future than what you need to push. That's the key. Listen to that. Don't push more in the future than what you need to push. They pushed a little bit more. I mean, they, they could have done it for, you know, maybe, maybe another million or a million and a half less. But when you spread that out over the three years, you're talking 500,000. You're better off having that extra 1.5 million. So what they did, they said they say they saved $6.75 million. It's because they gave him a $9 million. Um, they converted $9 million of his base salary into a bonus. So that $9 million, of course, over four years, that's two and a quarter million dollars. So, that's so it's two and a quarter goes in the 222, 223, 224, 225. The thing that's interesting about TJ Watt's salary and his salary cap 
numbers and everything else. Because remember, these numbers go up because of the signing bonus he got with his salary last year. He added, he has over seven million dollars in a prorated bonus. That's the where the money spread out. He's already been paid that money. He was paid it last year, but it counts that much each year on the salary cap. So they're going to add another $2.25 million to that each year where the money counts for that, but that's not what he's getting paid. But the reason this was, you know, what I say was smart. I I feel like the Steelers set up this contract in order to do this. They set it up in order to do this because TJ Watt's highest cap number, which normally with a lot of these contracts comes at the very end, not with him. It came this year. His highest cap number of his contract was set to be this year at 31.118694. The the last digits kind of depends on where you're looking at. That's what it is according to overthecap.com. That's the number that you're looking at for him, for his salary cap, what it would have been this year. So if you shave, you know, that 6.75 off that number, that's fine. But let's compare these other numbers to the 31.1 it would have been. Well, his salary cap number in 2023 was 27.118694. Okay, you get that 118694 in there for for a lot of these. Okay, so so you get that, so just over 27 million. So now you're talking about his salary cap hit is still under 29.5 million in 2023. Now, I say only, but I mean, come on, he's defensive player of the year. So he, he needs his money. But my thing is, it comes to he now has a salary cap number for 2023 that was lower than what a salary cap number would have been in 2022 if they wouldn't have restructured. That's why I feel like they set this up where they could restructure it and it didn't kill them. It's not going to have this huge number at the end that they can't deal with, like you saw with Ben Roethlisberger last year when he had. What was it? It was like $19 million that he was going to count no matter what because it was all this money that he'd already been paid that got pushed into the future. Um, crazy stuff like that. So, th- and so that's going to be, that was going to be his lowest salary cap hit um, of the four years remaining is in 2023. But even in 2024 and 2025, when he was set for both of them to be um, 28168694 according to over the cap. That if you, you know, you add that other, you know, 2.25, you're still looking at, at, you know, 30, at most, you know, rounded up 30.4, 30.4 million. And that's in two years from now. And they were going to be 31 million this year. So by restructuring it, the amount they did, no year in the future is going to be bigger than what this year would have been. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a nice, smart way to do this because you don't want to see TJ Watt's contract balloon. The only way you're going to see that now is if they continue to restructure him and restructure him a lot every year. Don't know that they're going to do that. So, in all, what does that mean that the Steelers have in terms of salary cap? Well, I sat down with the two main salary cap websites to break this all down. I did this on Wednesday morning. Whew, and what do you know? By the time I record, it changed. It changed because there was different things going on. I was like, all right, you got to do this. For like the, the two main ones are over the cap, which you'll hear me say OTC, and spot rack is the way a lot of people say it's, it's, it's sport track, but it's not. It's S P O T R A C is what it is. So I call it spot rack. I don't know if that's correct or not. Um, they, they have discrepancies in their, in their numbers. Okay. Over the cap this morning did not have what was reported as the proper number for Malik Reed, who reportedly took a salary cap reduction. He was set to make 
um, I think it was $2.433 million in Denver, and he agreed to play for the Steelers when traded for $1.5 million. So that saved $0.933 million. Uh, over the cap, ha- didn't have that change in there yet, but they have it in there now. They have it in there now. Um, so that's one change, one way that it's different. On Track, they have a couple different things um, that's off. They're barely off. They're off by $1,000. I mean, they're off by a few dollars here and there, like uh, the last dollar of the contract between the two sites. But they have a slight discrepancy with Deontay Johnson and Chris Boswell. They have both of those players earning a workout bonus of $1,180 that um, – over the cap does not. So that's a little bit of discrepancy. But the biggest discrepancy they have, and I still don't understand why they still have this, Spotrack has uh, an extra $200,000. It's actually $214,232, counting towards the Steelers for Miles Boykin. That was part of his prorated bonus. Guess what? The Steelers did not pay his signing bonus. That was when he was with the Baltimore ugly purple team, when he was there. That that doesn't transfer over when they pick him up off waivers. Only the amount of money left. I mean, think about it. People want to say, oh, you know, Steelers trade Devin Bush. Well, Devin Bush has a $6 million uh, salary cap hit, just over six. Well, just under $3 million of that, 2.9 something something, was his prorated bonus from a signing bonus. And just over $3 million of that was his salary for this year. If they would have traded him, they still would have been on the hook for the, for the prorated bonus. That prorated bonus for Miles Boykin, that's still with Baltimore. I don't know why they have it here. It, it's been there for months, and uh, they've never fixed it. So that's very curious. I'd, over the cap doesn't have it, and I agree with over the cap. Also, these two, these two sites have a difference in how much salary cap the Steelers started with. The discrepancy there is about two, just over $200,000 that um, over the cap has that the Steelers have, have higher. I think it was the difference in their carryover, something like that, or maybe um, Spotrack just rounds it differently. I don't know. But over the cap also takes into account – um, the workout money that the Steelers had to pay in the offseason for, for players, which you can get some of that back if all the players aren't there for the workouts or you don't do all the workouts. And the Steelers didn't do one of their weeks of, o- of OTAs. So I, that's why I my number one source is over the cap. I also check, check Track in order to see what's going on with it. Now, right now, Track actually has the TJ Watt contract changed. They have that. Sometimes they they do things early before they're official and, and they have a number. There's also something else that's different between the two. And that is this. When it and it's the practice squad salary. The way it works is if you are one of the practice squad has 16 players on it. 10 of them have to be your typical quote unquote practice squad eligible players. You can have up to six veterans on the team. The way the Steelers have it right now, they have 14 practice squad eligible players and two veterans. And they're two of the last ones they signed. Um, see, that's another reason I don't, I don't always trust spot rack. They don't even have the right player for the Steelers. They have Matthew Adams as an outside linebacker on their, on their practice squad. That is not the case. It's not Matthew Adams. It is Andrew Adams, the safety. So what the way it works for the practice squad is you get a weekly salary. Um, if you're one of those players that's you know practice squad eligible, your weekly salary is 
$11,500. That's over 18 weeks because the, you, they also get paid during the bye week. Um, so when you take that, you multiply by the 18 weeks, what you get for a salary there is $207,000 roughly. Okay. So that's something that they write down and both of them have, have for these players, those, the, the, this $207,000. But if you look at veteran players, there's a range. There's a range. The min- minimum salary they can make a week is fifteen four. $15,400. And the maximum salary they can make each week is $19,900. So the question is, where do these players lie for the Steelers? These, the two practice squad players that, 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 um, have the years of service. That's Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson and Andrew Adams. All right. Spot rack has them calculated at the minimum over the cap has them calculated at the maximum. I'm going to go with over the cap because I'd rather overcompensate than undercompensate. So I'm taking a while to get there with these numbers. So with all that, I had a number very similar because I don't keep my dollar for dollar thing like I do in the off season because there's all these little things. They are, there's when you go down to 53 players, you add the other two players, you get all these players that were in the top 51 coming out now aren't on the team. You've got dead dead money um, from players that are no longer with the team. I mean, my, my goodness, there's so much of that. I mean, some of it's just little. Some, some of it's just, just really, 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 really little um, amounts of dead money. But the, the two places have it all, all totaled the same of over just over 32 millions. Like guard Chris Owens counts as $1,666. He had a signing bonus of that um, that is dead money. Uh, uh, my goodness, they still have, they have Rico Bussey down here for two grand, um, cause of last year. Um, Chris Steele, $4,166 in, in dead money. So it's just, you know, even, even if these other players then end up, end up other, you know, on the practice squad or everything else, um, that dead money's still there, but because of those little things. And then you've got the injured reserve. You've got players that are on injured reserve and how much their money counts right now. It really makes it tough to count dollar for dollar. So that's why I rely on these sites a lot down to the, to, to it. What it, what it was, was spot rack had the Steelers at just under 2.5 million dollars in salary cap space before the TJ Watt um, restructure. And over the cap has it at 2.7 at 2.7. So part of the difference of that, that I know that spot rack is not right on is that, is that miles Boykin thing. Then the, they have the, and then, but like I said, the difference is now the that other 200,000 that, that um, OTC says that the Steelers have that spot rack doesn't. And also the difference in the salary in the practice squad guys. Bottom line is I trust that 2.7 number. So if you take that 2.7 million number approximately and you add that um, 6.75 million they, they just freed up with um, TJ Watt, you're looking at the Steelers. Here you know you've been waiting for it. You're like, my goodness, Dave, about time to get there. I like to explain how you get to the number. $9.45 million approximately is what the Steelers have. I would say under $9.5 million. Um, they're going to want to probably they're going to want to carry seven million dollars into the season in my in my opinion maybe seven point five at least because anytime you elevate a player from the practice squad you got to pay him full salary um, for that game 
um, your, the injuries and bringing in other players. When other players come off of injured reserve and just the way all the money shakes out. I used to keep back five million, but because of the practice squad elevation, it's smart to do at least seven, maybe seven and a half. So if the Steelers are at almost nine and a half, could they bring in somebody else? Yes, they could. You probably don't want to spend more than $2 million on them. Remember, but it's really only going to count if they bring someone else in, that means someone else gets released. And it would be the difference there. There is one other thing I am going to say. I know we're running a little bit long here in this first, in this first part, but that's okay. The second part's not so long. What I'm going to say is there is one thing that both sites have that I don't know that I completely agree with right now. Um, maybe they just went with it, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything official. The Steelers released Marcus Allen and re-signed him to the 53 after there was um, an, an IR, you know, two players went on IR. Marcus Allen had, was signed under the restricted free agent tender of $2.54 million before. When the Steelers release him and sign him back, it's my understanding they don't have to pay him the 2.54 anymore. He had the opportunity to go somewhere else. They could offer him a different contract. Both of these places have him at $2.54 billion. I'm not sold completely that that's what Marcus Allen's getting paid this year. Um, what, it, the fact that they released him and no one else picked him up and they bring him back, unless they said, hey, don't sign with anyone else, we'll still pay you that money, that's the only way that's going to happen. If I, if I was a Steelers, say, hey, yeah, we're not going to bring you back for $2.54 million. We're going to bring – we'll bring you back for $1.5 like we did good old uh, Malik Reed, and they could maybe save a million dollars there. I haven't heard any anything official about that, and I think these sites may have just had those numbers because that's what he had before. So with that, we're going to roll into a break. Whew, finally, man, I didn't know it would take that long. But it's me talking numbers. Of course, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of different numbers. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Steelers history in week one, some AFC North stuff, and all that good stuff that I mentioned before. So stick around. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Maybe I should say it like uh, Daniel J says on his his Saturday show, State of the Steelers. Hey, you made it through the break. Thanks for sticking with me. You know, I I, I like it when he does that. Uh, if you haven't checked out that show, um, it hasn't been around very long. It's it's a good one. So, uh, make make sure you check that out. But also, 
Um, I hope you enjoyed the Know Your Enemy podcast last night. I know uh, Brian Anthony Davis was was um, was tapping it. That that show was actually just about to begin at the time I'm recording this. I know uh, it seems like Brian Anthony Davis was going to be have to sub in unless something else changed back. But I'm I'm trying to get this done because I want to be in the live chat to that one. Um, also, what Yin's talking about? Okay, they're coming up here. I I hope. Kyle plays it in the show, but he did an article that, that ran, I think it ran on Monday, um, where he spoke to and interviewed um, a professor that broke down the data and the stats of the renegade effect. Um, it, it, so I'm, I know he's going to talk about it. I hope he plays that on there. I'm looking forward to that show. That's on after this one. So I'm telling you. Check that out. Check that out. I'm, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I can't wait. So let's look at right now what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers when it comes to week one. Woo, okay, because I actually had someone, I was working on some of these numbers, and I had someone reach out to me on Twitter to then ask about specifically about something very similar to what I was doing anyway. And this came from uh, Joe Cirillo. This is at underscore Joe Cirillo. And he says, STLR super fan dad. Hey, that's me. He says, hey, Dave, question. How do the Steelers generally perform when they are playing AFC North football week one? Then he gave his prediction that he thinks that the Steelers will have 20 points and it's a three-point game either way. Hashtag nerds of steel. That is one of the things that I will be answering here. So let's look at – I'm looking to look at some a couple different cutoffs. Some of these things I'll go back to the Mike Tomlin era because some of them I had to look up game by game. You'll, I'll tell you when that happened. But when it comes to AFC North stuff, I'm going back for the history of the North. AFC North started in 2002. So that's what I'm going to go on when, you know, that's when the, that, that that's when the, we got um, the realignment when they added the 32nd team to the league and, and all that good stuff. So here we go. The, this, the, the Steelers right now, they are currently going to be playing their eighth straight home, home, not home opener, opening game, not at home. That's what I meant. Not their home opener, where their home openers come in week two for eight straight years because they've opened on the road seven straight years. This will be the eighth. In those games, they are four, two, and one. Four, two, and one over the last seven years in week one, all of them on the road, which they are again this year. Going back to 2002, here are the standings of the four AFC North teams in week one. All right. The Pittsburgh Steelers overall, 13, six, and one. Baltimore. 11 and 9. Those are the only two teams with a winning record in week one. Cincinnati, 9 and 11 in week one. And the Browns is the Browns, 1, 18 and 1. Yes, unfortunately, there was that tie against Pittsburgh. They've won one week one game since they've come back into the league in 99. They're, what is it? They're like 120. 21 and one or something like that. Cause I, I think it's an extra three games in there. Cause it was in 99. Yeah. One twenty one and one. It's crazy. They've, they beat Baltimore, I think like in, in, in like 2004 or something, something like that. And they tied with the Steelers a few years ago. That's it. The Browns don't win a week one. If they win a week one this year. I don't know. They, they got an interesting matchup having to beat Baker Mayfield in, uh, in, in Carolina. Uh, that's one of the games that I took in my three-game parlay um, that I, I took Carolina in that one. So there, there's that. Now, what about specifically facing the AFC North? 
in week one. The Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously since 2002, are 4-1-1 one, and one against AFC North opponents. Their tie was against Cleveland, and their loss was against Baltimore. I think they're 1-1 one and one against Baltimore and 3-0-1 oh and one against Cleveland. That's because not only since the history of the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals have never faced off in week one. So this is going to be first. Now, if you want to look at the Bengals in the AFC North, they are when they when they face an AFC North opponent in week one, they are four and three. None of them against the Steelers. So both teams, four wins against against an AFC North team in week one. The the Bengals, it's in seven games, the Steelers, it's in six games. So that's gonna be interesting to see here. So now let's let's look into a couple of other trends. I went back and I looked it up game by game. So I did the Mike Tomlin era. And I wanted to know. With the Pittsburgh Steelers, how it came down to when they were playing a team in week one and how that team finished the previous year. I'm looking at how the team finished with in regards of their division. What was their record? How, what place they come in their division? And if they made the postseason, what'd they do when they were there? So I went through game by game in the Mike Tomlin era. So I'll just I'll, I'll hit these you know pretty quick. In in 2021, you know the Steelers they 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 beat Buffalo. Buffalo the year before was 13 and three, won the division and lost in the AFC Championship game. The year before they beat the Giants. The Giants they were four and twelve and they were third in their division. The year before that, the Steelers lost to New England, who the previous year had gone 11 and five, won their division and won the Super Bowl. The year before, the Steelers tied the Cleveland Browns after they finished 0-16 the year before. Whew. The year before that, they beat the Cleveland Browns after the Browns were 1-15 and and were last in their division. Whew. Then, trying to keep it all straight here. Then in 2016, the Steelers, um, they, they beat Washington, where the previous year, the Washington had gone 9-7, and won their division, but lost in the wild card. In 2015, the Steelers lost uh, at New England, after they had gone twelve and four, won the division and won the Super Bowl the year before, so uh, the Steelers are zero and two when facing a team that won the Super Bowl the previous year. When they face them in Week One, in twenty fourteen, they played Cleveland. They were coming off a of, uh, four and twelve season um, when they beat them. They had been fourth in division in twenty thirteen. They they lost to Tennessee, who was coming off a six and ten season where they were third in the division. Um, in 2012, they were at Denver. That was Peyton Manning's first game in Denver. And Denver was coming off an 8-8 eight and eight season where they won the division and they won a wild card game that we don't talk about but lost in the division round. But that was a whole different team coming in, the, you know, with the next year with Peyton Manning and everything. Um, and 2011, the Steelers, they um, – they they played at Baltimore where they lost where Baltimore was coming off a 12 and 4 season where they were second in the division and they lost in the division round both of those to the Pittsburgh Steelers when they went on to go to the Super Bowl in 2010 the Steelers opened up beating Atlanta who was 9 and 7 the year before second in their division but they did not make the postseason in 2009 the Steelers hosted the the and won against the Tennessee Titans, who finished 13-3 and the year before, won their division, and lost in the divisional round uh, to Baltimore. In 2008, they played Houston, um, who was coming off an 8-8 eight eight year, and they beat Houston, by the way, um, off an 8-8 eight eight year, but they came in fourth in their division that year. And then in 2007, they were at Cleveland, 
uh, beat them pretty good. That was Mike Tomlin's first game. Um, and Cleveland was coming off of a 4-12 and year. So when you look at all those, you can say, okay, well, well, what does that mean, Dave? Well, seven times the Steelers have played teams in week one that went to the playoffs the year before. The Steelers are 3-4 and four in those games. They are 3-4 and four in those games. Now, also, what's also interesting is, for example, Let's look at a couple of those. They beat Buffalo last year. But the Steelers, they were also a playoff team the year before. When the Steelers um, played New England in 2019, coming off their Super Bowl win, the Steelers were not a Super Bowl team that year. Or not Super Bowl team. They weren't a playoff team the year before, and they ended up losing that game. Um, when the Steelers... You know, they, they they beat Washington when both teams had been in the playoffs the year before. They lost to New England when New England won the Super Bowl, but the Steelers, they at least were in the playoffs the year before. So as you can see, sometimes the Steelers weren't coming off being in the playoffs. That's also something to remember. So out of those seven games that, like I say, the Steelers are three and four against playoff teams. But here's also something else to look at. If you look at the Steelers' record under Mike Tomlin, um, in week one, they have five losses and a tie, which then leaves them with, um, what's that, four, five, six, seven, what is it, nine? Yeah, so, something like, like nine, nine, one, and five, or nine, five, and one. one. Nine, one, and five, what am I saying? Okay, nine, five, and one in week one under Mike Tomlin. The, with those losses, the five games they lost, two of the times they still went on to make the postseason, even though they lost week one. Um, so they, there was two times – you know, when they lost to Baltimore in 2011, they still went on to make the playoffs. And when they lost to New England to open the 2015 season, they still went on to make the playoffs. So, but now if, if you look at uh, at games that they, when they won the first week, only one time under Mike Tomlin have the Steelers won in week one and not made the playoffs. That was in 2009. Just something interesting to remember. Now, when you look at Cincinnati, let's look at a couple things here. They are they are two and three in their last five week ones. Okay, two two wins, three losses. Uh, they did win last year. When they won last year, that was they were up against um, Minnesota. They won in overtime. If you can remember, if you remember that one. All right, they they are. Um, uh, what is that? Where I have written that they're one and two since 2010, and I'm trying to figure out exactly what that one is. I'm not exactly sure. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but um, oh no, I oh that's what that is. They are one and two at home since 2010. You're saying wait, only one and two at home since 2010? That's why it got me. Yes, yeah, Cincinnati um, started in 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 2010. I think it was. They went seven straight years opening on the road. So they had another huge, crazy streak with like the Steelers, but they, in their most three recent uh, home openers during week one, they, they're, they're one and two, I think with last year being the only one that they won. So that's something to remember. But the last thing I wanted to look at to, as we finish up here is what about the team that went to the Super Bowl and lost? How have they done in week one? How's that? What what's their record? Well, I didn't I, I I went back, you know, looking at who lost, then see how specifically looked up the game. Didn't have something that filtered it out or anything for me. So I went back looking at it year by year, game by game. So I went back for the last 10 years. The last, you know, not counting Cincinnati this year. We don't know what they what they're doing yet. In the last 10 years, the Super Bowl teams, the, the Super Bowl losing team, the team that made it to the Super Bowl did not win, when they play, faced an opponent in week one. They are seven and three, seven and three. 
the um, the Chiefs when they lost the Super Bowl, they beat Cleveland. But then the year before that, that would have been last year. Um, then the year before that, San Francisco lost to Arizona in their opener. Um, the Rams beat Carolina in their opener the year before. New England beat Houston um, the year before. Atlanta beat Chicago that year after they lost in the Super Bowl. Carolina lost to Denver when they had the when they had the opening game of the season be a rematch of the Super Bowl. Um, and they lost that game. Seattle lost to the St. Louis Rams um, the year before that when they had lost the Super Bowl. And then um, Denver beat Indy when the year after they lost. St. Fran beat Green Bay the year after they lost to the Ratbirds. And New England beat uh, Tennessee that, that year. So seven and three. So does that paint a really shiny, happy picture? Not really. Not really. Um, the That... This, what do you know? The Steelers are playing a quality opponent. They are. They are on the road, and they are six-and-a-half-point underdogs. But they were on the road and six-and-a-half-point underdogs last year, and they pulled off the win in Buffalo. So it's not that the Steelers – I don't want you to think like, oh, Dave's down on the Steelers. Can't, no, Steelers can win. They win. Like I said on the Scobro show, if they win this game, it's a really big deal. Just remember that. It's a big deal if they win this game. Those are the numbers. That's some of the history between these two teams, or not between these two teams, of these teams when it comes to their opening games. Hey, I already gave you some rundown of various shows. Make sure you're checking out all of our shows. And, hey, we got a post-game show coming up after the game. You know, there'll be the game. There'll be the Mike Tomlin press conference. Then we'll get our show set up, and we'll get rolling after that. Um, and also, before we do that, I do a real quick Mike Tomlin press conference recap podcast. Get that out and then go live on the on, on the postgame show. Lots of fun. Make sure you're uh, – check out the preview tonight with myself, Jeff Hartman, Brian Anthony Davis. Uh, that one's always a lot of fun. It's really nice when we're previewing games, get our over-unders going, get our predictions. I have a very detailed prediction of what I think is going to happen with the Steelers game. Yes. Very detailed. And I do want to say one thing right at the very end, like I did at the end of uh, the Skillbro show, for those of you that reached out to me um, with various things about um, my book that was published last week, giving me some encouragement, various things of that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, if, if you're curious about it, the name is Ghost Warriors by David Schofield on Amazon. I'm not trying to to tell you to go do that, but if you're interested, you can check it out there. And I'm still trying to work it out. Several people have asked me about being able to sign their copy if they can get it to me. And I'm working on that. That is something I'd like to be able to do. So thank you again for those of you. Um, love my nerds of steel. Uh, you all are, are the best. And uh, here we go. Let's get this going. Let's win this game. The Steelers can do it. Whew, I'm excited. So As I always say, thanks for joining me, and I got to finish out by saying thanks for geeking out with me. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 